You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We're on location. They let us out of the uh, Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. We're at the $3.1 million grand prize home. It's the most valuable grand prize ever. It's the beautiful show home overlooking the lake and mahogany, custom built by Calbridge Homes. It's over 6,000 square feet. It's fully furnished. You got security cameras in here. You also get 100 gur in cash. It's ridiculous. Also, the early bird prize goes midnight tomorrow. You get Alberta's uh, biggest early bird prize, a Canmore luxury condo in the residence at Tamarack. That thing's valued at $1.1 million. That's it. And by the way, the 50-50 is over $2 million, which is just absurd. And on top of that, like, it's not even those two prizes. Like, there's over 1,500 prizes. Just cars and trips and packages, electronics, and all that stuff. So when you enter, you can obviously win the grand prize and then the early bird deadline tomorrow. And, of course, grab a couple 50-50 on your way out because proceeds uh, all go towards uh, helping support the medical community here in southern Alberta. For more details, visit foothillshospitalhomelottery.com. And for tickets, call one 541 5540. At the bottom of the hour, Canada's number one radio segment, Brody on the Beat. But joining us on the line right now, our man, our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff, Frank Cervalli, brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Frank, good morning. How are you? I'm good. You know, I'm always a little intimidated that uh, I, I proceed Brody on the Beat like. It's, yeah, it, it's gold yeah. radio. So I just I don't know how I yeah. fit into this structure. Have you ever have you ever seen Walk Hard: The Dewey Cox Story? No. With John C. Riley, so good, great no. film. It's an incredible. You'd, well, you'd love it. The one scene is like, all right, Dewey Cox, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do the Big Bopper, Buddy Holly, Elvis Presley, and then you, Dewey Cox. That's what we're gonna do. He's like, I gotta follow Elvis Presley. <laughs> like that's essentially what it is. Like when you have a superstar like Alex Brody. Those are big shoes to fill. Well, that's what I'm saying. Um, I, I'm like, yeah. I am the warm-up act. Yeah. It's, it's always, there's always pressure that comes with that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Alex's favorite thing, uh, Frank, is to get recognized, and he did again last night. Yeah. Brody on the Whoa. beat. <laughs> yeah. He loves that. It's, it's his favorite deal. thing. Yeah, he is. Um, you are. That's good. It's fun that people know your segment. Um, Frank, where are you at with butterflies for the Stanley Cup playoffs? Are you there yet? Or you're like me and you're like, why aren't we playing games on Saturday? Because this is nonsensical that we start on a Monday. No, I'm there. I'm ready. Um, Okay. Now that the field is set, I mean, Mm -hmm. the kind of the amazing intrigue of watching this last night of consequence of the season tonight with some makeup games tomorrow is look how many matchups are still to be decided. I mean, officially, seven of eight will be decided tonight. And, I mean, think about just the general fate that hinges on that. Jobs and millions of dollars of ticket revenue based on one regular season game tonight. Um, We we obviously want to talk about the Flames, and uh, this is a a Flames question. But, yeah, obviously. Day three of postmortem? You guys haven't had a job yet? 
Well, today's officially day one because now it's going to be locker clean out. The yeah. season's officially over. We had the post-mortem preseason. Yes, that's pretty much. Um, I wanted to ask you about this. So the Pittsburgh Penguins missed the playoffs for the first time in forever. The longest streak in the big four major sports of making it to the playoffs is now done. We know that Ron Hextall's job is maybe not on the firmest of ground. We know the uh, Brian Burke connection to Brad Tree Living. We know Tree doesn't have a contract as of this morning. Is there some connection there? Do you see some synergy where maybe Brad Tree Living leaves Calgary to go to Pittsburgh to be their next general manager? I do not see any synergy there at all. I mean, there's obviously a connection that exists between Brad Tree Living and Brian Burke, but I think you're taking it one step too far. And I think first, uh, I just put up a story on dailyfaceoff.com, 10 burning questions for the 16 non-playoff teams. And the way I phrased the first question was, Will Ron Hextall survive the week? Hmm. That's where it's at in Pittsburgh. The fire Hextall chants echoed through the building. Uh, there's a significant anger uh, and in, at times, I think, apathy that's grown into that fan base with the way the last couple seasons have played out as their team has gotten steadily worse. Uh, Ron Hextall's track record as GM is, is no good. And as I mentioned in the piece, there is growing speculation, growing rumblings, word, whatever you want to call it, that the wheels are in motion within Fenway Sports Group to make a wholesale change to the Pittsburgh Penguins leadership. So that would include President of Hockey Operations, Brian Burke, Mm. uh, and Ron Hextall. So we could see a total house cleaning in Pittsburgh. I'd be surprised if they make the decision to move on from Ron Hextall and then keep Brian Burke in place. So still some things to develop here. The Penguins play their last game tonight. Is there a chance something happens today? I I can't rule it out. How unique would that GM search go with a kind of new ownership group? Well, and really from the top down, if it's president, GM, everything, with this new ownership group that's more of kind of a a conglomerate rather than a a standalone owner. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's that unique. Um, Maddie, like when you consider, look, Fenway Sports Group has been successful in a, in a number of ventures, not just with the Red Sox and the championships that they've won. Liverpool, they've built out and, yep. and you know, continued to grow a successful business there off the charts. You know, Roush Fenway Racing, whatever it is that they're into, the NBA is going to be next. They're going to get one of those next NBA expansion franchises. Um, they're like they're on the ball. They I think the big thing is with this current leadership group, they inherited it. The team was sold in November of 2021 and Ron Hextall was hired the previous February. So he wasn't their pick. He wasn't their guy. I don't think he sort of naturally meshes with what they're after. And I think at the end of the day, the results speak for themselves. Seven years as an NHL general manager, he's made the playoffs. His teams have made the playoffs four times. And they've never won a single round. And more than that, the four sounds even gaudier than it is out of the seven years because two of them were with Penguins teams that he inherited. Like, he didn't do anything to those rosters. The streak just kept continuing. And now they're out in a season in which Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby have played all 81 games. Um, Frank, obviously, uh, the season finale last night for the Calgary Flames, a lot of fun. Nikita Zadorov scores a natural hat trick. Nobody saw that coming. Um, but obviously now the question turns to the general manager. We had 
um, Eric Francis on yesterday. He expects there to be a decision on the general manager within the next two weeks or so. Are you hearing the same thing? Yeah, I think that sounds like an appropriate timeline. I think there's a conversation that needs to be had on multiple fronts about the future direction of the team. And I think in a, in a big way, you know, the, the who is coaching this team will be one of the big, you know, I think question marks in terms of how the rest of it shapes up. I, you know, that was the second question in my 10 burning questions was, is there an avenue for Daryl Sutter to come back as Flames coach? And I, um, I know there's a contract, yep. but I don't, I don't know that there's a path in the sense that there were a lot of bridges burned this season between Daryl Sutter and veterans, Daryl Sutter and young players, Daryl Sutter and staff, coaches, equipment, training staff, front office members, you name it. Is it that was all? an ug- <laughs> What's that? Uh, sorry, is that all? Is there anybody else to alienate? Concessions people, Frank, ticket takers? Is there anybody else parking attendants? Well, I, here's the question. Is the man in Switzerland, what does he feel? Mm-hmm. Is he Has he been alienated? And that's really where, what it all comes down to is what does Mary Edwards feel about Daryl Sutter coaching this team moving forward? Does he pound his fist on the table and say, hey, You guys were responsible for giving Daryl Sutter a contract extension before the year started. It's on you. And he's coming back. And if that's the case, what then happens next? I don't know if there's a way to to say it, because I know that when I say this, it's going to be framed as one way only. But I don't don't envision a world in which both Daryl Sutter and Brad Tree Living are both back next season. And it's possible that neither one of them is back next season. It's possible that only one remains. I don't know who's going to end up, you know, sort of as the last man standing. And I, I, I hate saying that because I, I don't, it's not directly one against one or I'm not coming back. If this guy is, it's nothing like that, mm-hmm. but it there's, there's a situation brewing that's, you know, about to erupt. Um, Frank, the more I think about this situation, this is kind of my take on it. I want to get your opinion. I don't think Brad Tree Living's coming back as a general manager of the team. Even yesterday during the pregame skate, it kind of had those vibes that he was soaking it in maybe one last time before moving on from Calgary. I think Daryl Sutter's back as the coach next next year. Well, I'm just uh, just the, vi- the I saw the video of it. I, I just it just felt like that to me. They talked about it on the broadcast. Maybe that was the situation because he's a guy who generally isn't down on the ice for a morning skate. He was yesterday. It's something just he doesn't do. It was a bit of out of character. But um, what what I want to get your opinion on is this. I think Daryl Sutter's back next season, but I think the leash is extremely short in that if the team gets off to a slow start, they'll make that change. What say you? I don't agree. I, 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 okay. I framed my question that way specifically because – I just think there's such and, – and look, you can't always allow the inmates to run the asylum, but I think there mm. is such a push from this player group to say we've had enough that I just I – don't, I don't know how you can possibly bring him back. And that has nothing to do with the general manager. Is that coming from newer players or the veteran it's leadership on this It's coming from veterans and newer players. Okay. 
I don't think a lot today's of the day today is the day exit interview wise where you'll you won't hear it publicly but that's when those voices will be heard in terms of what hmm. happens next could you see uh even if neither of them are back could you see promotions from within with this flames organization it's hard to say um i could because you know i, I think there's going to be no matter what some people that are that end up staying. Um, and so I could see some promotion from within. I could see a Mitch Love. I could see a Ryan Huska as next coach. I could see someone hired from the outside. Like, I think there's there's an untold number of possibilities, which is why it's so, you know, as a reporter, it's so dangerous to speculate. All I can do is shit. And, and here's the thing. People are saying, well, that's great that you're slinging arrows today, Frank, but come with the goods. Give us, tell us what you know. I can only tell you from talking to people that are actually there, they don't mm-hmm. know how this is all going to play out. So I can't give you any more than that other than there's been a ton of friction. There's been a failure of this season in terms of the collection of talent not meeting expectations. There's a million reasons why, and we can pick at the carcass for the next number of weeks. But the job didn't get done. And it's it's as simple as that, and everyone's angry on the back end of it. How close do you think Craig Conroy is to being a general manager in this league? I mean, he's been essentially as close as you can get. I don't I don't know in terms of you know interviews or whatever opportunities he's had, but I can tell you he's well respected and highly thought of, and I think someone that has the respect of not just people within the flames organization but around the nhl as someone who's put in the time and the work but that doesn't guarantee you anything in this current situation and climate Mm. frank cervalli nhl insider brought to you by south trail chrysler joining us here on the big show russick and rose sportsnet 960 the fan um kind of to the player side of things frank is obviously somebody's gonna have to make a decision on a lot of guys who are pending ufas after next season should the number one um piece of business for the calgary flames this offseason starting july 1 being uh extend elias lindholm it should be and i think that's one of the big things that you that's really what's going to help shape this offseason for the flames Regardless of whoever's in charge and and sort of what their vision is, you need to get a real strong read from your pending UFAs one year from now. And it's not just Lindholm, but you also need to get some sort of view from Toffoli and and Backlund as well, even though he's a bit older. What is And then the same conversation exists with Hannafin. What is your interest Mm -hmm. level in staying here? What... Do you want to be a Calgary Flame for the long haul? And if so, how do we find a way to run this back next season and be better than we were this year? What's going to be the the big turning point to help us get there? And how much of the, the solution do you want to be part of? That's a real conversation, whether it's Brad Tree Living, Craig Conroy, whoever it might be that's running this team next. That's a big thing that needs to it's one of the first questions that needs to be asked. Is there a scenario where Elias Lindholm starts the season without an extension? And how dangerous is that for the Calgary Flames? I could see a world in which that happens. I Is it dangerous? 
I don't think so. Like, how much less is Elias Lindholm's value going to be if the wheels fall off this season for the team at the trade deadline versus what it is this summer? You might have more teams in the mix, but look at some of the prices paid for some of the other pending UFAs at this year's deadline. Like, I have a hard time believing that he wouldn't, you know, fetch a return that's pretty close that still allows the Flames, if there is no contract extension, to sort of wade into this season and, and understand what the options and, and potentiality is for making the playoffs next year. What, what does an Elias Lindholm contract look like to you? Oof. As I was sitting here looking at his numbers, I was afraid you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> Sorry. Um, there's one sort of statistical outlier season. Um, it's the 42 goals. And I think sort of when you add everything up and you look through his career, you can sort of bank on Elias Lindholm being a 27 to 30 goal scorer and 40 points every season, which puts him in sort of the 70 to 75 point range or 70 point range if we're being a little bit generous. Um it's expensive and it's not just the points it's the complete nature of his game you know the fact that this is a guy that you know last year was receiving selkie trophy votes um that's a significant part of it and so you know i sort of view him moving forward in the seven and a half million dollar range um that it always depends on term i could see him um I could see him inching closer to, you know, eight rather than going down to seven. Um, I know this is, um, th- this feels to me like when you talk about uh, what's an NBA superstar, who are the su- true superstars in the NBA? I feel like we get that conversation when it comes to who are the true number one centers in the NHL. Is he a true number one center? in the NHL to you? Is he a guy that can drive a line? And I'm not comparing him, obviously, to guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl and Austin Matthews, but is he a true number one center to you, Frank, or is he a good 1B, a really good 1B? Sorry, you cut out. Are we still talking about uh, Lindholm? Uh, Elias Lindholm, yeah. I'm just yeah. saying, like, just just for, for that true number one center, is he that guy, or is he a guy that needs guys like Goudreau and Kachuk around him to put up those points, as you mentioned, that outlier season that he had of 42 goals? No, I, I think he is a number one center. Like, I think if whatever the number is, if there's 15 or 18 of them around the 32 teams or whatever, like, I, I don't I don't believe the notion, uh, to answer your question in a more broad way, I don't um, – I don't think there's 32 number one centers, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally uh, yeah. does. Yep. He's one of the 17, 18, whatever the number is. Wherever you draw the line, he's one of them. Okay. Yeah. The, for me, it's the PK and the power play number one that kind of helps with that too, right? But um, I did want to ask you. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to ask you something that's actually away from the flame, just as we're wrapping up here, and it goes to the Norris conversation. How much kind of consternation are you having going back and forth with this Norris vote, and where are you at in the Eric Carlson part of this conversation? Hmm. I'm struggling. I've yeah. You should have seen, you know, even laying in bed last night on my phone texting. <laughs> I text a few players. I text a few coaches. I text a few people in analytics. 
a few people that are GMs and just said, hey, if you had a NARS trophy vote, what would you do? And the flippant sort of easy response that I've gotten from a lot of people has been uh, like this. is. I'll just read you a text from an NHL coach yesterday, NHL head coach. Carlson, hard not to, period. So I say, okay, but is he really the best, quote, all-around defenseman this year? That's the award, not who scores the most points. And I know 100 points are special, but he was on the ice for double the number of goals of his competition for the award, and he doesn't play a lick on the penalty kill. And it seems like when I watch, (laughs) he barely tries some shifts in his own end. Response, I know that, and I'm with you. Hampus Lindholm, then. Wow. He's having a really good year. I think that's the one thing. Like, I, I, I don't love that Eric Is Carlson he even is the best in. defenseman on the Bruins, though? Yeah, I know. If Charlie McAvoy plays the whole year, I think that we have a clear-cut winner, right? I guess. I mean, how do I knock <laughs> yeah. Adam Fox yeah, right. and Miro Haskinen yeah. and Rasmus Dahlin and Josh Morrissey and, and, and those guys. <laughs> Kale McCarr, what do you do with the games played? Like, Kale McCarr is the easy winner if he played 70 games. But because yep, he plays yeah. 60, does that then knock him out of contention? I, I don't know. Um, Frank, which team uh, who we anticipate as a favorite for a Stanley Cup potentially could be on upset alert here in the first round? Mm, I wouldn't really want to be playing the New York Islanders. Mm, and I know, that. like, look, I've seen their guy saw their game against the Caps the other night and how they <laughs> gagged on it, an opportunity to put the Penguins out of their misery then. Um, but it's the goalie for me. I just, Ilya Sorokin is eminently capable of, of stealing games and a series. And if you are right now, they're in the seventh spot, but Florida has one more game to play. If you're Boston, you're probably sitting there saying, well, of all the teams we can face this magical season and everyone has talked about how good we are. Do we really want to run into a hot goalie with a veteran group that's been to two Eastern Conference finals and plays hard? I just, I don't know that there's a ton of upset alerts, but that was, that's one that sort of raises my eyebrow. And I'm like, oof, I don't know if this is, it's on paper, it's a huge mismatch. It's 40 points right now, 40 points today. Wow. I just, and the I don't Islanders know. have a good crowd to play in front of. Just ask Bo Horvat. Yeah. Well, it was unreal last night. That 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 crowd gave them juice right from the puck drop to clinch. So, yeah. The goalie, the crowd, the vets, the experience, the what whatever it is, like they got a puncher's chance to at least be in the mix. Frank, is this the year the Leafs finally get it done and win in the first round of the playoffs? <laughs> I I want to say but, yes. Everything indicates yes, but I'm just I'm yeah. not picking I'm not picking the Leafs until they do it. And I'll be wrong okay. and I'll say Tampa and I'll say Andre Vasilevsky and the Lightning defense is what is the difference. Um is Kyle Dubas gone if they don't win the first round this year? But there's I don't know how they could possibly bring him back. I mean the conversation that unfolded more or less as it was relayed to me between Brendan Shanahan and, and Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment's executive board when he went to them this past summer and asked for an extension for Kyle Dubas. It went something along the lines of, 
well, didn't you just tell us that everything is on the table depending on what happens this season? And I think the answer from Shanahan was yes. And I said, well, then why would we be extending Kyle Dubas then if that's the case? And so the reason this has played out the way that it has, to my understanding, is that everything's on the table. Super interesting. Outside of the Bruins, that that's the team that's got the second most pressure on them, right, to actually do something? Or is it the Oilers? It's the Leafs. Okay. But here's where I'll, here's what I'll say with the Leafs. If this whole notion of like, oh, we beat the Lightning, if that's what happens, and then we get trounced by the Bruins, or even if they have a good <laughs> yeah. series against the Bruins, to sit yeah. back and say, well, this season was a success, anyone who might think that has lost the plot. Yeah, yeah. It's You're to win still the two Cup. whole rounds away from a championship. It's not even close. Yeah. Frank, terrific stuff as usual. Uh, did you enjoy the Masters last weekend? I saw you were in I our did. pool. I did. Yeah, my, my, what did I finish? 300 and something? It was not good. Uh, listen, I, I think it was a bottom five finish, but that's okay. Will Zalatoris withdrew and we'll blame it bottom on Bottom five? It was bottom five. Oh, my yeah. God. Brody's taking my job next week for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send you out on the street next week. It'd be great. The streets of Philly. I think that'd be fantastic. It'd be dodgy. And asking Calgary Flames questions in the streets of Philadelphia. It'd be great. That'd be unbelievable. What That would be yeah. legit good content. It abs- you, you know what, Frank? Hey, uh, if you're down for it. If you're down. We would love it. You're out there in the streets of Philadelphia. Wear like a Kevlar vest. I think you'd be okay. Yeah, correspondent. Yeah, be great. All right. Um, Frank, terrific stuff. We'll talk next week, pal. Have a good one, guys. There he is, Sports at 960 NHL Insider Frank Cervalli, brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Um, more on the Flames season finale victory last night, 3-1 over the San Jose Sharks. Stuff to talk about there. Uh, Brody on the beat, Canada's number one radio segment straight ahead. We've got the Rickster. Yeah, Rick Ball at the top of the next hour. And uh, I got some Taylor Swift news I want to share with you and some stuff on Taylor Swift. I'm still nervous about this. Why? Because you make me nervous with things like this. Okay. Uh, we'll do all of that straight ahead. It's the big show. We're on location. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. We're live on location. We're at the beautiful $3.1 million grand prize home overlooking the lake and mahogany, custom built by Calbridge Homes. Over 6,000 square feet, fully furnished. It's ridiculous. I just went for a little wander upstairs, George. Just wanted to do a little scout for when I eventually win this wicked prize. Yeah. Trying to decide where I'm going to put all my stuff. Yep. And they had this beautiful sitting room upstairs. They got two great bedrooms, one set up for like a nursery style and one's for a kid. And the master bedroom will blow your mind. Mm. It has a walk-in closet that's about the size of... Both of our apartments combined. Mm -hmm. Uh, A humongous king-size bed, big room, huge shower, big tub. Did you bounce on the king-size bed? Huh? Did you jump up and down on it? I really wanted 
not to. But you should have. I, I was a little nervous because there were some people doing interviews in the next room. Yeah. But needless to say, uh, this this house is every time you turn yep. a corner, you just like, what? This is in the house too? Yeah, it's absurd. Um, you can get your tickets. The early bird uh, prize deadline is tomorrow at midnight. And that's for uh, just uh, no big deal. A $1.1 million uh, Canmore luxury condo in the residence at uh, Tamarack, which is absurd too. Um, there's a 50-50 draw that's over $2 million. There's over 1,500 prizes, not including yeah. the early bird and Tons the Tons of cash prize. to be won. Um, Foothills Hospital Home Lottery.com for tickets or call one 541 Flames with a 3-1 win last night in their season finale down at the Dome. Dustin Wolf got the start. Uh, Matt Coronado was fun to watch. Jacob Pelche played with them. Is is that something you could see? Did, were were you envisioning what the future looks like? That maybe these two guys will play together long term. Do you think that's something that could come to fruition? I would go as far to argue that that line could be something that we oh. see for the next few years because uh, Nazem Kadri is also signed for the next six seasons with the Calgary Flames as well. And frankly, as I saw that line going around doing their business yesterday. You know, I think Jacob Pelche is a, a reliable two-way player who's got some certain offensive instincts. Maybe doesn't have the most wicked shot, but like we saw the pass to Matt Coronado. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a, a little bit of a natural pairing between those two on opposite sides. And Kadri, in his current role, if that's how they end up going with Lindholm and Backlund and Kadri, your three centers next year, I really don't hate how that starts to line up. I thought Backlund, Huberto, and... Uh, Toffoli, oh, who's playing with them at the end? Coleman there? Uh, Manjapani was playing on the other side there at the end. I thought that line skated well as the season wound down. Lindholm and Toffoli are always a fun pair to watch. So, yeah, I, I definitely felt like there was a little bit of perhaps we could see this in the future type of stuff between Coronado and Pelche. Like, they both project me to be kind of middle six to top six guys. If they're middle six, they got a much more offensive role rather than like a checking role but mm-hmm. i i liked what i saw from both players i think there's things that complement each other's games um yeah i i a lot to be excited about watching yesterday's and, game and it's so hard just to do one game right yeah it, it's the only sample size we have and obviously uh, it's an enormous jump uh from playing in the american hockey league or playing at the coll- collegiate level and then getting to the nhl but the one thing Eric Francis talked about uh, with us yesterday is that shot, and we saw it on full display from Coronado. Just on that first wrister, that was heavy, that was quick, and that thing exploded off his stick. Well, he used to be called, or he was nicknamed the Bison when he was playing in the USHL, back when he had an almost goal-per-game season playing with the in the USHL. And the reason for that was because he would kind of just bowl over defenders and then unleash that wicked shot and score a ton of goals. And Mm -hmm. we definitely saw the shot a couple of times throughout the course of the game. Um, But the other thing that I was really impressed by was just the kind of – the way that he played bigger than his size would dictate, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, he, he kind of, his shoulders look really broad, and he looks like he's got some real upper body strength to him, despite being a guy that's not going to tower over his opposition. He only yep. listed at, like, 5'10", 5'11", but, you know, not like Cole Caulfield in the sense that he just kind of can run over people, but... The way that he shoots the puck reminded me of kind of like those smaller guys that we're seeing that right. really know how to rip the puck. 
Um, Dustin Wolf was fun to watch last night. Uh, I thought he was very active uh, in his crease last night. I'm sure a lot of that was uh, being super jacked up and playing your NHL debut with the big club after being fantastic in the American Hockey League. A lot of talk that he's a slam dunk to win goalie of the year, but there's also some he's talk in the that conversation he could be for- the, the MVP. Yeah of the uh, AHL, uh, which is super uh, incredible for a guy that the Calgary Flames took in the seventh round. Uh, Again, found um, money. He has absolutely found money. And uh, he was fantastic last night. Uh, He looked good. Um, And I just love the fact that the fans down at the Dome, they were cheering every single save. In a game that was meaningless, in a season that was such a roller coaster and just ripe with just disappointment, um, he was great last night. And I love the fact that everyone was so engaged in his start. They want something to be excited about, they being the fans, right? And Dustin Wolf, Matt Coronado, Jacob Pelche, in a season that has gone so terribly wrong, these are the type of things that, you know, you get excited about. And for one game at the end of the year, the fans got to enjoy that. Like, one of my favorite things going to Wranglers games this year is whenever he makes a big save and then covers the puck up, before they start playing the song, they rip a big wolf howl on the speakers in the dome. Mm -hmm. And you could kind of hear that a little bit. I think they did it a few times during the Flames game yesterday as well, the in-house crew, and then you could hear the fans kind of getting behind it a little bit as well. Listen, there's going to be a little bit of a logjam here at the NHL level between the pipes. Like, I wonder if the Flames feel like moving somebody at the draft. Like, we've talked about it before. I, I'm i never really eager to move out goaltenders that you know can play at the NHL level because you feel like you're flush with goalies, and then you can blink, and all of a sudden you feel like you have absolutely nobody. Just the way that they can be so volatile year to year, right? Yep. So... I don't know. They're, they're, that's going to be a big decision for the Flames because all of a sudden you've stockpiled this position. You gave Dan Vladar the extension earlier on in this year. Jacob Markstrom still signed for a couple of seasons, and you've got Dustin Wolf on an ELC. Like, and does can what has Dustin Wolf got to prove in the AHL? He's been the best goaltender in that league for two straight years. He won the AHL goalie of the year last year. Yep. This year he's in conversation for the MVP award mm-hmm. of that league. Like, that's ridiculous. And I know that, you know, certain things, like his win total is big because he played the whole season in the AHL, yada, yada, yada. But the goals against, the save percentage, the shutouts. It all ranks number one in the league. It's But, but the problem is, too, like, um, goaltending, much like the running back position in the NFL, uh-huh. it's devalued. Like, you just can't get what you used to get for goaltenders anymore. Oh, Teams aren't willing to part with high first-round picks or a ton of prospects. And you have to do it in the offseason. Right. Like, you, like if, if okay, so if the Flames wanted to trade Jacob Markstrom, it's essentially a salary dump. It would probably, especially after the year he just had. That's what I mean. If You're you not, want to do it last year, probably you would have been able to get something. Yeah, but, but I don't, even then, I don't think it would be as high as you think potentially you would get for somebody like Jacob Markstrom. Yeah. I know. But because the goalie position as a whole has been completely devalued, in the NHL, but these are good problems to have for the Calgary Flames. Oh, uh, he's, uh, again, follow the model what Steve Eiserman did with the Tampa Bay Lightning, what he likes to do with the Detroit Red Wings. He likes to make sure guys are overripe um, in in the American Hockey League before they make it to the NHL. There's nothing wrong with that. He can still cut his teeth, learn the position, get better and better and better, but you're right. That's great that he's forcing the hand of the Calgary Flames. These are good problems to have. A hundred percent. Now, you know, it's going to create a bit of a logjam, and and you always wonder, because like I said, you know, year to year, you don't really know what you're going to get. Like, 
Could we see a big bounce-back year from Jacob Markstrom? I think for sure we could see a bounce-back year from Jacob Markstrom next mm-hmm. season. We saw in the back half of the season. Like, you look at yeah. just his last kind of dozen or so starts, he's been a much-improved goaltender, a lot closer to his numbers were the year prior. But you don't know. Yeah, It's a big bet to push. And, Frank, if someone's going to approach you and offer you something that you can't really say no to, do you have to make that jump? Now, the other thing I would argue is I kind of would like Jacob Marston to be around Dustin Wolf. Sure. Right? Like, regardless of how he's playing, he's been in the NHL for a long time. He's been in different situations. He's gone from Florida to Vancouver to Calgary. He's gone through all these different markets. He's been a Vesna caliber goaltender. He's been a whipping boy goaltender. He's done it all. Mm-hmm. He's a perfect guy to have around to kind of talk about the mentality and the everyday mentality of being an NHL player to be around Dustin Wolf. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a certain benefit, a certain onus that you would put on keeping both of those guys around. So now the question is, what do you do with Dan Vladar? Mm-hmm. A guy who you just signed to an extension, right? Like this team, it's a good problem to have. And I'm fascinated yeah. to see how it turns out. But all of that relates to our overarching question with the Flames who is the general manager Who's of this team, decisions. and what is the direction of the and, team? And Dustin Wolf and where he fits into this current goaltending uh, situation is, I'm sure, way down the list of priorities for the Calgary Flames. <sighs> is it though? Because it is. Don't you? No. Have to, yeah. True. There's way too many questions of who they want to bring back after the GM, the Lindholm. Yeah. Well, there's the coach and the GM question. Yeah. But again, I asked Frank. The number one mandate for this team is to re-sign Elias Lindholm Agreed. long-term. Okay. Right. You, so you not, don't want to let Hannafin walk, do you? No. No, you can't. What do you do with Tanev? But I also He's think, the heart and soul of this team. You're going to let Tanev walk, I too? I also think all of those decisions could be made in the year. Like, the Lindholm one is a big one, and there's a couple defensemen I would approach. But I do think that you kind of go through the year, and you see how it goes. And if you get off to a great start, you keep these guys that are on one-year deals, and yep. maybe you treat them like rentals, or you see if they'll change their mind and re-sign as the year goes on. Uh, if not, if the team starts to tank, you have all these guys that you haven't extended and you're able to move them out for quality pieces back. Like a, a Tanev, these guys would be able to fetch you a pretty solid return. So you'd have a couple of options there. The thing for me is that, that and why I say the Dustin Wolf conversation isn't all the way down the list, is just because the draft is, you know, coming up at the end of June here. Mm-hmm. You got the rest of April, May, and June to kind of decide what you want to do with the goaltending situation because that's yep. when I see you have to be making some decisions as to how you want to deploy your net miners. Right? We will ask uh, Rick Ball, the voice of the Flames on Sportsnet, uh, straight ahead. He's going to join us at the top of the hour, his thoughts on that season finale last night and what the offseason potentially will look like uh, in his eyes. But it's that time of the week. Yes. Um, yes. It's Canada's yes. Uh, best segment, uh, our, our very talented and lovely uh, technical director, Alex Brody. Um, he goes to the streets of Calgary to get the pulse of the fan, of the Calgarian, on uh, on our question, our, our weekly question. Alex, what did you ask the fans outside of the Saddle Dome so last night? I asked the fans, if they were in charge of the Flames, what would they be doing this offseason? So. Ooh, okay, that's, that's very specific uh, and, and very interesting to see what fans outside – of the Saddledome had to say. All right, let's do it for another week. Fired up. All I need is a Brody on the beat. You 
were in charge of the Flames, what would be your first thing that you're getting up to in the offseason here? Um, well, I'm keeping the coach for sure. But I think we need to get rid of some of the uh, older players like Luch. Fortunately, I love him, but I think it might be time for him to, to go and bring some of the newer guys up. They do still have, despite what this year, what happened, they still have a lot of great players there. The, the, you know, the, the ingredients are there, right? And so it's just a matter of trying to find the straw that stirs the drink. I like the, I like the metaphors. Oh, man. I'm going to say this because I'm good friends with his brother. I'm going to draft Nate Danielson this year if I'm in charge of the Flames. All right, I'm going to have to okay, iron let's or, go. Uh, with hockey DB that and get the stats. <laughs> we'll, we'll cover it on the program. He's projected to go around where the Flames will be picking, so, and he's a big-time Oilers fan, so I'm really hoping the Flames pick him. <laughs> oh, I think they've got to make more room to have the kids play. And, and honestly, I like Daryl Sutter, but I think it's time for a change. If you were in charge of the Flames, what would be your approach to the offseason? What would you be doing? I think honestly what they're doing tonight, get Coronado in, get Wolfie in, bring back Peltz for a game. Like, I know Peltz, he didn't get, oh. I think it was nine games in a row, he didn't get a point. I see why he was pulled, but it's nice to see the young boys coming in. And next season, that should make a difference, bringing the Wranglers boys up. Mr. Trav Peltz. Living should stay. He's done a great job for us. And uh, Mr. Sutter should stay. He's a great hockey coach. Leave it. Probably just try and not keep the uh, star players on the bench during the shootout. Maybe something like that. <laughs> oh, get rid of Sutter immediately. You don't need him. Get, keep, keep, keep Chris Sutter, though. Keep Chris Sutter. Fire Kadri. <laughs> Fire Kadri. Anything? Fire Kadri. Who would you replace Kadri with? Anybody. Get a junior B team in. It'd be great. How about yourself? What's that? No, I can't skate. It sucks. Brody on the beat. Very serious edition of uh, a lot of general managers out there, Alex. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, and I want to say because I, I couldn't get every answer in the in the segment. There was a lot of Sutter love last night. I was surprised. Like, really? I got more people saying we should keep Sutter than we than people saying we should ditch Sutter. So I was quite surprised by that. Uh, okay. And one thing, uh, so the guy recognized me. Uh, my audio was not great for his interview, so I could not get it to the air, but I got to shout him out. His name's Chris Miller. He was really, really nice. I'm sorry I couldn't get your interview on the air, Chris, but... Uh, one guy at the Dome recognized you? Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that worries me about our show, that only one dude recognized you. Shout out to okay. C-Mills, though. Yeah, C-Mills. I like how you gave him a hockey nickname already. Well, I got it. Uh, Alex, part terrific the, job. Uh, we look forward to next week's... Uh, Brody on the beat. Um, real quick, I keep teasing this Taylor Swift story. Yes. So uh, apparently, according to um, all the uh, all the tabloids, uh, Taylor Swift once again is single. She's back on the market. Um, and Patrick Dumas, our producer, uh, sent some odds for Taylor Swift's next boyfriend. Yes. You can bet on this. These are very good. Yeah, that is good. Uh, Pete Davidson's the favorite at plus 800 because Pete Davidson is uh, a dog. He gets around. Um, Pedro Pascal from your show. From which one? Mando uh, yeah. or The Last of Us? Yeah, you, I you love both of those. Uh, plus 1,200. Drake Great plus 1,500. Yesterday, by the way. What? Drake? Yeah, Drake plus 1,500. Jake Gyllenhaal plus 1,500. John Mayer plus 1,500. I don't think she's going there. Luka Doncic. Well, that's weird. Um, Bradley Cooper, <laughs> Devin yep. Booker, Michael B. Jordan. There's a lot of names. There's a lot of people I don't recognize so, on this list. Like, who is Paul yeah. Mescal? Okay, so this is what I wanted to ask you about Taylor Swift. 
My brother's not a Taylor Swift guy. And my friends and I are like, what are you talking about? How do you not like Taylor Swift? He goes, just doesn't do it for me. I wanted to ask you on the text line, 96960, name and location, who's the celebrity that just doesn't do it for you? I'm going to start. Katy Perry does not do it for me. I don't know why. Maybe it's the Skip the Dishes commercials, but she just doesn't do it for me. I And I get it. I, I get why people like Katy Perry. Just doesn't do it for me. Who's the one celebrity, Matty Rose, that just doesn't do it for you? Oh, man. That everybody else loves but just doesn't do it for you? You want the break to think about it? I'm going to need the break to think about it. Okay, 960, 960, name and location. Who's the celebrity that everyone loves that you're just you're just not into? 960, 960, name and location. We'll mix that in in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk to Rick Ball. We'll do some great stuff with the hospital home lottery. It's all straight ahead. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan.